Hello and welcome to Blockbuster Nights. I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. This week, as we get closer to Halloween, we decided to dust off the cobwebs of the 1987 cult classic, The Monster Squad. Okay, and I had not seen this before. I had not seen this either. Okay, so it's new for both of us. First thing we like to do is start off with reading the back of the old VHS box. Let's see. You know who to call when you have ghosts, but who do you call about monsters? Just dial 1-800-MONSTER. Whether it's a bat in your belfry or a mummy in your microwave, the Monster Squad ain't afraid of no ghouls. When Count Dracula flies in from Transylvania to retrieve an ancient amulet, he calls upon some old friends to help in his search. With the weird wolfman, grotesque gill man, mildewed mummy, and the freaky Frankenstein by his side, the creepy Count has until midnight to find the amulet and gain final control over the delicate balance between good and evil in the world. When police are baffled and parents perplexed, it takes the Monster Squad, headquartered in the local treehouse, to correctly diagnose the full moon madness as actual monster mayhem. As midnight draws near and the ghoulish group gets closer, the Monster Squad pools its questionable resources, getting ready for a monstrous good time. The Monster Squad, they make ghostbusting look like child's play. I like that little reference there. Wow. Chucky, which if you haven't listened to our yeah. Child's Play Chucky episode, number one, check that out. <laughs> wow, there was a lot of alliteration in that back in that the That was box. fun. I like that one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it fits. I think it fits with the movie. Yeah, definitely. I didn't, I didn't quite know what to expect going into this movie, but I guess I thought it was going to be a, for a little bit older of an audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now that we've seen it, I see that it was <laughs> really more of like a middle school kind of audience i think it could span a lot of audiences yeah kids that are now adults (laughs) i don't know about adults today but all right so let's jump in and the movie starts with armadillos uh, yeah (laughs) weirdly enough a hundred years ago apparently at 666 shadow brook road so the research i've done says multiple things some things are saying that this happened in the town where the movie takes place some Mm -hmm. things it's happened says it's happened across the pond in Europe. Okay. Mm -hmm. I tend to believe the Europe thing because I don't understand why Dracula would be in this town in America in in 1889 or whatever. Uh, The movie starts with Van Helsing is, if you don't know, he's a vampire hunter, uh, helping a girl cast a vortex to do something. We're not even quite sure really what's going on here. All that we know is there's a lady eating, it looks like an armadillo at first, but it's a possum, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Why did it look like an armadillo? They armadillo. were. They were armadillos. Why they were there... legit armadillos. The, it, the rats in the opening scene were armadillos. And the noise the rats supposedly make during the opening scene is from guinea pigs. Why That's a lot of, are there armadillos um, in... Creature knowledge there. In Europe or... I mean, is Well, this, they were supposed to be rats. Is it... I think, right? <laughs> so did they not have any rat money and they just had armadillo money? Is that what's going on? This was a low budget. I mean, aren't armadillos like a southern, like from like Texas and Mexico? (laughs) (laughs) I knew they were armadillos though, because like when when we were watching, I was like, "Those are armadillos. What is happening?" Yeah. Okay. Well, but when we cut to the woman, she's clearly eating a possum, or maybe a big rat. Yeah. Maybe it's a big rat. I don't know, but I don't get it. Like, why? Why the armadillos? (laughs) Where did those come from? It doesn't matter. 
Okay. Strange. <laughs> that That's a question for Why the, not armadillos? That's a question for the DVD stars commentary. If anyone um, knows why armadillos, I would like to know. Yeah, I would like to know that's too. That's interesting. That's really strange. So anyway, Van Helsing is trying to get this girl to cast something or open and this, this giant vortex opens and ends up sucking her in with a bunch of other stuff and him as well. Oh, and, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> And so we don't really know what's going on. So we cut to 100 years later, and now we're in present day in this town where these two kids are being sent to the principal's office for drawing monsters in class and making fun of their teacher for having a cat's head. <laughs> Which I didn't know this watching it, but after researching, I found that cat head is a clear reference to the 1942 cat people. Is that a movie? Yes, it was. In 1942, it was an RKO Radio Pictures film. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I, I was wondering why they were focusing so much on the cat head because they said cat, <laughs> cat head like head. five times and it's like yeah that was lost on me I, just because i didn't know about the cat people yeah okay well that i missed that too i guess if you had a lot more i figured it was something but knowledge yeah that would have come across a little bit better i'm not a monster aficionado so i guess that didn't didn't translate for me but that's okay so they're they're speaking with their their prince uh is it the principal yeah i guess it's the principal for drawing monsters in class and one of my favorite quotes out of this movie comes from the scene where where the principal says science is real monsters are not which is ironic because <laughs> monsters are very much real in this movie <laughs> I just thought that was kind of a, a fun little quote that he gave out there. I think monsters are real. Yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing. So we've obviously been introduced to our two main characters here, Sean and Patrick, who we'll be learning a little bit more about in a minute. So outside of school, we are introduced to a third character. This would be Horace, who is being bullied by the Wonder Years kid. Jason Hervey. Because he cannot not play a bully, apparently. <laughs> Smashes his Snickers and wails on him like he's some kind of newbie wrestler. <laughs> And then in comes the favorite character, Rudy. On his bike, <laughs> sunglasses, leather jacket, strikes a match. Yes, he's like Tom Cruise and Fonzie together, <laughs> mishmashed. He strikes a match on, on the loafers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so weird. Like, it's just such a, I guess it's... I didn't quite understand his, I guess because he liked monsters is how he got in with them. In well, their group. he got in because he was defending Horace here. Right. Which but he, he liked monsters, though. Yeah, I think he had an inclination towards monsters. But he, I, he's the oldest of the group, and he's in junior high. I don't know about you, but when I was in elementary school, junior high kids did not look like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's strikes a, people? strikes a match off of his lower. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That was an image. It stuck with me. So Rudy comes to the aid of Horace and, and makes, is that EJ, eat the Snickers, Snickers. off the ground, mm -hmm. you know, after he's, after it's been stepped on. But see, I don't understand why we're, why is, why are Rudy and Horace friends? Do we, do we know that? That didn't explain anything in the, the movie, yeah, I guess, I but because Rudy's going to become a, a integral part of this group later. So a little bit later, Patrick is walking home with Sean and Sean has on who shirt? Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice little reference. I guess they threw in there. Yeah, and you can still buy that shirt today. That's everywhere. Oh, like yeah? 80s tees and tea public and Oh, cool. Um, I like how here they're having a discussion on the Wolfman and if he's, you know, got junk or not. <laughs> got nards. <laughs> yeah. Which is, again, foreshadowing. So they actually... Yeah. 
did a little setting bit of, that up. They really went hard into that. They really did. <laughs> Somebody was dedicated there. We're also introduced here to Phoebe, who is Sean's little sister, who makes them stop and stare at the house belonging to the scary German guy. While they're in their mesmerized state, Horace runs up, screaming that Rudy saved his life, and thus Rudy is now recruited into the monster club, providing he can pass a monster test. So, yeah. we have most of our uh, cast here together. So meanwhile, whole squad, almost whole squad. Almost whole we, we don't squad. have, we don't have. We're missing Eugene. Yeah, Eugene. Haven't gotten Eugene yet, which is, I guess he comes in at the, at the clubhouse. But meanwhile, two guys are transporting dead bodies in a World War II bomber. Why is a World War II bomber carrying the dead body of Frankenstein's monster mm -hmm. and Gilman? Gilman. Oh, is Gilman? he in there too? Gilman. I thought they were both in there. Maybe it was, or the mummy. Is it? No. Wasn't there more than one in there? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think it was just... Well, it was just... It was at least Frankenstein's monster yeah. in the crate. Right. Yeah. And so this is cool. There's a website called impd.org, the Internet Movie Plane Database, and they're dedicated to identifying aircraft in movies, TV, and video games. It's a North American B-25 Mitchell plane, apparently. Okay. Used as a cargo plane to transport Frankenstein's monster. Okay. Interesting. Don't know why. Don't know why. So... <laughs> This is this is where this movie started to lose me a little bit because okay so they're flying they have armadillos Frankenstein's monster <laughs> in in the back like somebody boxed this guy up and put him in a cargo plane to go where why what do they understand what he is <laughs> like do they know what they're doing and, and then obviously we find out that Dracula has also stowed away on board mm -hmm. and waits until I guess the appropriate time to make himself known, attacks one of the pilots, is able to open the cargo bay and drops uh, Frankenstein's monster out the bottom and mm -hmm. then follows himself by flying down as a bat. And the crate falls into the swamp behind the monster clubhouse, unbeknownst yep. to anyone in the monster squad. So that's a lot of coincidence. <laughs> I mean, I can see how how Dracula might have the foreknowledge to drop them in this town where they obviously need to go to get this amulet, which is coming up. At this point, we don't know why they're there, but I could understand that. It's very, like, there's not a lot of setup here, you know? It's just like, why? Well, I, I kind of took it as he's recruiting, he needs the monsters for something. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Right now. He needs his squad. It's kind of like paralleling, they're the monster squad. Right. So you get two monster squads. Yeah. Down here. I mean that that's a good point. So it's like the monsters and then mm -hmm. the kids yeah. are both monsters squad. That's that's a good point. Okay. Like so. Miami Vice. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. So we're into the clubhouses. First time we see the clubhouse where Rudy is being put through the monster test. But he seems more interested in using the treehouse to peek into the neighbor, the girl across the way who's getting undressed. 1980s, right? He gets all the test questions right until they ask him to name two ways to kill a werewolf. He only lists the silver bullet, but the others claim werewolves can be killed by a car crash accident with power tools, old age, or falling out of a window onto a bomb. This is a lot of foreshadowing. <laughs> like, like yeah. these guys, they apparently read the script beforehand. But, I mean, Rudy remains adamant there's really only one way to do it. And I kind of believe him. But, yeah. Uh, Sean I'm gets called to... Silver bullet theory as well. Yeah. Sean gets called to dinner, and I guess everybody else just stays in the clubhouse. I don't know. I thought uh, it was funny when... With the mom, when she comes into play, that, that Mary Ellen Trainer, the mm -hmm. actress uh, who plays the mom, is also the lead sibling mother in The Goonies, mm -hmm. 1985. Yeah, I think And I think was... that's where it gets a lot of people feeling like they ripped off The Goonies a little bit. Just some of the same plot line I literally elements. wrote down... <laughs> Cheap Goonies oh, ripoff. I wrote no. it down while we were watching it without even seeing Mary Ellen Trainer. Oh, 
that's not, I mean it's kind of Goonie-ish. I get it's, I get it. I mean I get like Goonie Goonie elements. Yeah, it it very much is. I think they were really riding those coattails. You know, Goonies is pirates. This is monsters. So it's yeah, it's different. Sean gets called to dinner, where his mother gives him a book that was found in an old house on Shadow Brook Road. It happens to be Abraham Van Helsing's diary, but it's completely written in German. During the dinner preparations, Sean's cop father gets called downtown to deal with a man that's screaming he is a werewolf. And uh, we see a little bit of a back and forth between Sean and his father here. I thought that was a nice little touch, mm-hmm. um, putting that in there. They're, you know, they're obviously bonding and, and yeah. friends, but his mother and father are having a lot of issues with each other, I think, because of his job Work. being a cop, which would put stress on anybody. Yeah. And, yeah, my dad uh, is, was a cop for a long time. Can attest to that. <laughs> but moving on. Yeah. So this is causing a lot of stress on the on the already failing relationship so also can attest to that but moving on mm. yeah um, <laughs> it's another podcast yeah <laughs> yeah so before sean's dad can get to the station uh the hysterical man claiming he's a werewolf is shot to death so now we move into the next part where we we kind of start to see the Second monster squad, I guess, form up a little bit. A 2,000-year-old mummy escapes from the museum. Wolfman rises from the dead in the back of the of the coroner's truck and kills the driver. And then he finds his way to the swamp where he meets Dracula. And then a coffin containing Frankenstein's monster is thrown out of the swamp by Gilman. Gilman. James Gilman. <laughs> <laughs> Gilman, mm. and the and Dracula reanimates his corpse, which was <laughs> yeah okay sure. So isn't it weird that there are three monsters in this town already? How did the werewolf get there? Why is he just active now? How did Gilman get there? I swear he was in the crate. Was he not in? The, he has I, to go be in the crate. May they were in the crate together? No, was there was only one crate. There was only one crate that I saw drop. I thought there was two. Okay, I don't know. And then this happens to be the town where there's a two thousand year old mummy. Well, hocus pocus. I mean, there was a lot going on there. Yeah, but that was all based on their own lore. So it was based on the Sanderson sisters because the Sanderson sisters lived there. So uh, that's that true. that that's made true. sense because it was. It was their own yeah. thing. This is all coming out of left field. I, I couldn't wrap my head around how all these monsters got in one place at one time. Yeah. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's when I realized this was a movie that's like for smaller kids because they don't take any time to explain any of this. They're just like, hey, the monsters are together, you know? So. Right. Well, it is what it is. It is. Monsters. You're right. It is what it is. Coming together. Yeah. Now we're back. We switch back to Sean. While he's eating what's left of his dinner, There, you can see a message for him written on a marker board saying someone is interested in the Van Helsing book. Mm-hmm. And there's a scrambled name at the bottom. <laughs> the, the name. Alucard. <laughs> and if you've played Castlevania, you know who that is. I even know what that is. Well, I, I know Castlevania, but... I mean, wow. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> hmm. Code breaker. Code mm-hmm. breaker. I like that they threw it in there, though. Yeah. As a nod to... How does Dracula know how to use a phone? How does he know how to drive a car? Like, these are questions I have. Did he take, like, oh, classes? Oh, the car with the skull on the... Yeah. The, the, hood, the hood ornament. Hood ornament. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was... That's kind of hot. I like that thing. Yeah, that's a cool car. <laughs> but I want to know how how he learned how to do it. Like, did he like take classes and stuff on modern world? Like, what has he been doing the past hundred years? Maybe he's just been observing. Maybe he's obviously he knows what he's doing. I mean, he, he brought Frankenstein's monster back to life. That's a bit of he's electrical work. Yeah, he's smart. Maybe he gains powers through blood. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's a that would have been a vampire rule. That would have been a good plot point right? to include. So, all right, the monster squad has now formed up. The first mystery of the missing money mummy is solved by the youngest member of the monster squad who is eugene who the mummy comes into his house why does he come into his house 
I don't know. And Pete. Don't oh, forget yeah. Pete. Don't forget Pete you the put dog. put paw in. Yep. Paws in. Yeah, we can't forget Pete the dog. Yep. He is, he the is an integral, integral member. Squad. Yeah, but so the mummy comes into Eugene's house. Eugene runs to his parents, screaming there's a monster in his closet. His parents clearly don't believe him. <laughs> they even open the closet. And the mummy is there, but his parents don't see them. And then the mummy escapes out the window. I thought that was cute. I like that scene. It was cute, but like I don't. There's no point to it. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a point to that. It's just the monster in the closet joke. Yeah, mummy yeah. closet. So, uh, so they form back up to the the clubhouse, and Eugene tells them about the mummy. And then Sean delivers a motivational speech, stating that no one will take them seriously, and they are the only ones that can stop the monsters. But they need to be able to read this book. Patrick claims that his sister takes German in high school and can can translate Helsing's diary, but that horse says that's not true. I don't know if he actually knows that or not. But German in high school. That's kind of cool, because yeah. I think our high school, we had French, Spanish, and Latin, which you probably wouldn't ever speak, but I can see how it'd be useful for sciences and root origins and things like that. Yeah, we had Spanish and Latin. All right, so next, Dracula has found the old house on Shadowbrook Road, and he apparently knows how to use this house because he uses the arm to open up a trapdoor that leads down to the basement. Like, how did he know about that? I don't know. Same way you had to drive the car. No matter. Anyway, Frankenstein's monster's down in the basement, and Dracula instructs Frankenstein to go get the diary from the monster squad since Sean didn't call him back. Whoops. Sean should have called him back. <laughs> yeah. So without Patrick's sister being able to translate the book, the kids are forced to go see the scary German guy, thinking that he can possibly help them. Okay, so what's German for? Please don't murder us. Bitte, morden Sie uns. Yeah, he was played by Leonardo Cimino? Camino? Camino? He's actually my favorite character, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I liked his I liked his character and I like how, you know, they kind of obviously they're they're going for the the bit of a twist that he's not really scary. He's actually very helpful. Right. <laughs> but it, And he'd seen monsters. Yeah. I liked that part a lot. That was that yeah. was kind of really that, impactful. That was statement. probably <laughs> the only real impactful moment I got from this movie. He comes and creeps over them a little bit, but then he invites them in, and it looks like he's going to kill them, but he actually just giving them pie, which is always nice. And then he can read the contents of uh, Van Helsing's diary, which, get ready for a lot of exposition, because we're going into, all right, it's been exactly 100 years since Van Helsing tried to open a vortex with this amulet, and this amulet is apparently what Dracula has been searching for. That's what he came to the town for and what he brought Frankenstein and all the other monsters there for. And this amulet, it balances out uh, good and evil. And it, it gave me J-Lo Waiting for Tonight vibes, the music video. You know, like the green lasers? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if that was like 90s, but like that's yeah. all I thought of when I kept seeing that amulet was... Yeah, they were shooting lasers off that thing yeah. to, to refract. <laughs> so yeah, this is, it gets a little fuzzy, but... J-Lo locket. The amulet can be shattered. If, if it is shattered, then evil will rule forever. So that's obviously Dracula's plan um, mm-hmm. because otherwise the amulet can be used to open up a vortex to limbo, which could trap all of the immortal monsters there forever. And that was the same vortex from the beginning, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, you can stop evil if the amulet's possessor goes before the evil beings and performs a ceremony to open up the vortex. Right. Um, but it has to be done by a virgin. Mm-hmm. And I, they don't say female virgin, I don't Yeah, think. that's what I was thinking, because they kept looking for females. Yeah. And I was like, well, Maybe they that did. wasn't stated, but... 
<laughs> I don't know. Okay. So the the night after this is going to be the exact 100-year anniversary. So that is the night they would have to perform the ceremony if they were to perform it. So now we kind of have our goal. The Monster Squad gathers at the swamp and Sean dishes out the assignments. Rudy's in charge of getting silver bullets. Easy enough for Rudy. Horace has to get a map to Shadowbrook Road. And then Phoebe runs up and shows them her new friend, the Frankenstein's monster. I thought here was really interesting. The brief scene where Frankenstein meet or Frankenstein monster, I guess, meets Phoebe playing by the water. That was before. Mm-hmm. It was a clear homage to a similar scene in the original Frankenstein yeah. film. Yeah, I did pick up on that. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job of, of putting in a lot of these references uh, to the classic movies and stuff. And I think I was just ignorant to a lot of that. Yeah. So it just went right over my head. Yeah. And it's said to have been a, an affectionate tribute to Universal's iconic horror movies to the, of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I read, too, that, you know, it had been a good 20, 25 years since any of these monsters had been really seen on screen. Unlike today, where, you know, we see them a lot more often. But back then, this was kind of like almost a renaissance of monsters. Right. But they didn't have licensing for them. Yeah, that's a real missed think... opportunity. Because <laughs> it seemed like Universal Universal's monsters. Yeah. But the studio passed on producing the film, which was picked up by TriStar. Hmm. So they were forced to get creative with their monsters. The crew had to create characters that were suggestive, but not exact copies of Universal iconic monsters. Mm. So one example, going back to Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster, he looks almost like Frankenstein, but instead of the bolts in his neck, he had bolts in the forehead. Okay. So little things like that. So a percentage of changes had to be made to get away from copyright infringement. Mm. Well, that makes sense. But man, talk about it. And a, Gilman thus can't be yeah. a creature from <laughs> Black Lagoon. Gilman. Oh, Jimmy Gilman. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I thought when we were watching this, I thought it was a universal. Monsters. Like, produ- like I figured they either produced it in some fashion or mm. they licensed. Right. Out Because it's the five. Right. <laughs> the, five, the five squad. Yeah. Monster team. And mm-hmm. to find out that that's not the case, that's, I mean, come on, Universal, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> Do you have a favorite monster? Um, Classic monster? I, really. I don't. I don't think I do. Do you? Dracula and Frankenstein's monster, I think, are my favorites. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really partial to... So I like the mummy from the mummy movies. Like the mummy with Brendan Fraser and oh, Eric yeah. Weiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those two movies. Not the Scorpion King. <laughs> no. Sorry, The Rock. Sorry, The Rock. <laughs> but no, I, I do... I like that version of the mummy. I don't, I don't guess he's really the same mummy from universal though is he is that a universal movie the mummy yeah i don't know i don't know either i don't i wouldn't think so but it's at but universal studios oh yeah i guess if it's at universal duh i guess it would have to be well, i don't know it doesn't have to be but it, it fits yeah so i guess that's my favorite version of a monster i don't really know i thought it was interesting that the dracula version played by duncan regair was ranked as number 30 on Wizard Magazine's list of 100 greatest villains of all time. And it was his performance as that Dracula. Wow. I thought that was... It, he was a really good Dracula. In he this. was. And that was uh, still considered to be one of the absolute best interpretations of the character. Wow. So... Well, that's, that's impressive. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It I, was impressive. Like, his, his Dracula was really good. Yeah, he, he did a good job. He was threatening. And he doesn't. He didn't come off as silly, and he had a he had a lot of different powers. And he, and along with Frankenstein's monster, didn't break character in front of the kids. Except oh, during, for, the, during the filming. <laughs> during the filming, except for one part at the end, he made one exception where I think he didn't put in his contacts or his teeth, mm-hmm. and 
till like the very last scene where he lifted Phoebe up by the neck to do that last scene and he didn't tell her because they wanted an authentic reaction for her scream. Mm-hmm. So they waited until like that last scene they were going to film it and they, then he put in his contacts and his teeth and that was the first time she'd seen them and that was like 100% real scream from nice. her. <laughs> Scared to death. Hollywood traumatizing Be. little children since... <laughs> 1902 wow that's that's amazing that's hilarious Mm. how does phoebe feel about that or what's her name today well she's like well how do do i know when i'm supposed to scream and i think the director was like oh you'll know (laughs) (laughs) ashley bank yeah hopefully hopefully that didn't traumatize her too bad all right so the squad gets down to business eugene writes to the army which is weird (laughs) but yeah that's what kids do right uh, Rudy actually makes stakes and silver bullets, which is impressive. They stole all of, of the mom's silver <laughs> silverware, actual silver, melted it, melted it down into bullets. And then he also steals crossbows from the stuff. I feel like Rudy did a lot of the heavy lifting here. <laughs> I mean, he... Well, he's the oldest. Yeah. So I feel like that's fair. Yeah. But really, he he was the one. He did all of the work getting all of the weapons and everything together. (laughs) The weapons leader. Because he he got the crossbow and everything else. Phoebe plays dress up with Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) Uh, Patrick makes business cards. And then all Sean does... The entrepreneur. (laughs) All Sean really did was steal his mom's silverware for Rui. Oh, and at this point, Frankenstein also accidentally takes a nude picture of the girl across the street which happens to be patrick's sister and i read that that was the picture was actually i think a girl in like a black t-shirt or something ended up being that picture okay. that they were waving around well that's good <laughs> yeah yeah I, I did think it was funny how like he thinks they're dancing like frankenstein monster thinks they're dancing when he's got the picture holding up oh, and they're all yeah. just trying to get to the picture <laughs> yeah Meanwhile, Dracula thinks he's drugged Wolfman, but Wolfman escapes. He runs to the nearest phone booth and calls Sean's dad to warn, warn him that Dracula is coming to kill his son. And I then, kind of felt bad for Wolfman. I think you were supposed to feel bad for Wolfman. <laughs> he was just having a real bad yeah. night. Yeah, I, you know, I think they were all sympathetic in a way, except for Dracula and maybe, maybe Jimmy Gilman. <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> Because Frankenstein, obviously, he had he was a very sympathetic character. Yeah. And I think Wolfman was, too. And I think even, I mean, the mummy really didn't do much, but he, he just seemed to be aimless, like, wandering all over the place. Like, he just unraveled on the road. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, Wolfman is back into the, into, into the wolf, and he's back into being a henchman. The club splits up into two teams. Team one is Eugene, Sean, Horace, and Frankenstein. And uh, on their way to Shadowbrook Road, they make a pit stop at the swamp where Eugene loses a Twinkie oh, to Twinkie. Jimmy Gilman. Creature stole my Twinkie. Who eats it and then disappears. <laughs> like Eugene's just, Hero. He's, he's seeing everybody. And then team two, consisting of Rudy and Patrick, stay behind and question Patrick's sister about her sex life, specifically whether or not she is a virgin, using the nude photos blackmail. Yeah, that was a little rough, like mm-hmm. revenge porn. Yeah. Much. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure in nineteen eighty seven, you know, no one would have batted an eye at that, but I think right. today Today's. that's a much 
different yeah. story. So team one arrives at the house and they go in. Just as Dracula blows a hole in the wall to get to the hidden amulet. So I guess Dracula knows the amulet's there. He can see it, but he can't get to it because it's surrounded by all these talismans like garlic and all this other stuff that prevent him. From, like, I didn't get that at first. I was like, why don't you just go grab it? But he can't because it's right. protected. So the blast causes the ceiling to fall in on Frankenstein and crushes him. The kids have to go on without him, but are attacked by the wolfman. And Sean gives the direct orders to kick the wolfman in the nards and horror follows through <laughs> well he he was questioning it because he's like did they have nine <laughs> and then he did and then he said the line he said the line wolfman's got nards the movie i think is known for <laughs> yes which shot <laughs> which is funny because the director andre gower director now in 2018 he created and directed a documentary about monster squad called wolfman's got nards starring shane black fred decker and seth green that's great. So, yeah. Weird. <laughs> but like about all the cult classic and how the following of all the fans and mm-hmm. hmm. so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. But yeah, obviously that's a that's a line that you don't just <laughs> let go. That you build you build a mountain on that kind of a line. <laughs> and they've done that, so and then after he kicks him in the nards, we see that Dracula has created three wives from, from sucking mm-hmm. his their blood and they they attempt to get them uh dracula's there attempting to get them and then wolfman is back up and they're really cornered but they figure out how to operate the arm to the secret passage and they get down into the secret passage and then they gra- they see the amulet they grab it they run out but dracula seizes sean and is ready to kill him which is pretty cool but then horace has a piece of pizza with garlic on it <laughs> and he shoves it in his face which burns dracula so Way to go, Horace. And extra, then they all run. Extra garlicky pizza, apparently. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, out front, a Jeep pulls up with Garlic. the gang and the scary German guy. Why? Who knows? They're just there to save the day. And then they run off to the church, but they hit the mummy on the way. Then Rudy t- ties his bandages to mummy's bandages to an arrow, shoots it off to a tree, and thus unraveling and killing the mummy. <laughs> so the casting call for the mummy involved a weird kind of want ad. The actor who played the mummy said he's always been super skinny, but one day a friend pointed out an unusual casting advertisement in Variety, which said, looking for an extremely thin actor on the verge of anorexia. Wow. <laughs> yep, and he headed straight for the studio, and after showing off some creepy gestures, got the part. Cool. The mummy. So at this point, Dracula arrives at the clubhouse and throws a stick of dynamite into it, <laughs> blowing it up for no apparent oh, reason other than so sad. Then he see their 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 HQ. Yeah, but like was that just out of spite? Yeah. <laughs> it just blows it up, and then he tells Sean's parents he intends to kill their son, and then flies off. So anyway, he needs business. Yep. So the the kids are to the church. They were hoping to get to the church because it's a holy place and the monsters can't get in there, but it's locked. And the, so they decide to perform their ceremony outside. Rudy's off shooting Dracula's brides with crossbows, taking them out. And then Sean's dad actually manages, he, he comes into the scene and shoots Bat Dracula, oh, knock, right. knocking yeah. him into, mm-hmm. a, into a building, into an abandoned building. Uh, also while Horace is facing off with Gilman. <laughs> Gilman. And he's got his he got a shotgun. I don't know where the shotgun came from, but he shotguns Gilman and man, Gilman's down. Poor Gilman had no never, more Twinkies for Gilman. Never had a chance. So when uh, Sean and his dad manage to they they get into the abandoned building ready to strike, but they're attacked by the Wolfman. Sean sneaks up behind the Wolfman, puts dynamite in his pants, and then kicks him out of the window, and he explodes. <laughs> Wolfman doesn't have any more nerds. No. Nope. 
Patrick's sister finishes the ceremony, but nothing happens. It turns out she's not really a virgin. I guess, you know, whatever. <laughs> but luckily they have Phoebe, who obviously is, and they can. she can do it as long and as she can every pronounce... every other kid in the squad. I mean, right? <laughs> like... I mean, maybe minus Rudy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No judgment, Rudy, but... Yeah, I mean, I was... The whole time I'm thinking, you, you, got, you probably got like four virgins right here. Can you not just use one of them? <laughs> I know. That's what I said. Like, yeah. why has it got to be a girl? Yeah. So the Wolfman forms back together, only to be properly killed by Ruby, Rudy's silver bullet. Rudy is really saving the day yeah. here. I mean, he Go killed Rudy. like mm -hmm. two brides, Wolfman, thus proving that there really is only one way to kill the werewolf. So Dracula, he was injured horrifically. That was a really creepy effect when he was like half bat and half oh, man yeah. and kind of laying there. But he's back to his normal self and he tries to interfere with the ceremony and he grabs Phoebe. So that's the moment that yep. you were talking about. <laughs> but Frankie attacks him from behind. He picks the count up and throws him onto a metal spike. Good job for Frankenstein. Yay. Comes in, saves the day. I like that part. So Phoebe manages to complete the ceremony. The portal opens and sucks everything in. But... Dracula is not down yet. He tries to make a last grab for them, only for Van Helsing to appear. Yep. How did he come back out of the vortex? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he can come in and out at will of a vortex. I guess I don't know. Wouldn't be able to. Anyway, he grabs him, and uh, and Phoebe tosses Frankenstein her stuffed puppy scraps for comfort. That was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then scraps. the it, everything closes up, and then the army arrives because Typical. they got the letter. <laughs> yeah. And then they in with what do you call them who are you we're the monster squad that's... and then we go into the rap oh yeah the, the rap. monster squad rap yeah yeah that's uh that's pretty much it that so... rap it sounded like michael scott from the office doing that <laughs> <laughs> the scranton lazy scranton yep <laughs> it reminded me of yep yep except monster squad yep. i liked it i thought it was a cute monster film it is it's just i it wasn't really my cup of tea i don't think I just, I think I expected something a little bit more... Darker, maybe? Or what? I guess so. Yeah, I guess my expectations were off when we went into this movie. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I just didn't really... I didn't, I didn't expect it to be so silly. Okay. Like, I understand. Like, there are movies that are specifically targeted for, for certain audiences. Like, the one that comes to mind is Suburban Commando, which is a completely and totally stupid movie with Hulk Hogan as a <laughs> guy who comes down from space and has to live in suburbia to hide out with christopher lloyd it's the stupidest concept and the stupidest effects and the stupidest whatever but as a kid i loved it right like i loved the crap mm -hmm. out of it so i can see this would absolutely appeal to kids of that age and if i'd seen this in 1980 whatever you know being a middle-aged middle school kid i would have loved it yeah but as an adult seeing it for the first time it's just not really for me and i think a lot of the people who love it now like so many of the movies that we've covered so far, yeah. love it because of the it's, nostalgia. It's true, right? Yeah, because it just spent two weeks in theaters. Oh yeah, and it uh, reran on HBO and Basic Cable throughout the nineties. Okay, and then VHS on two in two thousand seven, and I think built a following through VHS rentals. Yeah. So, I mean, all the kids who saw it in the 80s are, you know, in their 30s and 40s now. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. It was funny when I was watching this. I, I got big Garfield in disguise vibes from it. <laughs> like, that's how it came across to me. It was just like this kind of monsterish, like the silly monster yeah. story. But I, I did appreciate some of the stuff they put in here, like the father and son story. I thought that was nice. Like right. when they're sitting on the rooftop watching, mm -hmm. the, watching the movie named Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. 
which I thought that was funny because, like, obviously this movie came out five years before the actual Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. but they called it Groundhog Day because they were trying to say that at the time all horror movies were like slasher movies with like unkillable villains, and it's mm-hmm. the same recycled plot for each sequel, like you know the Friday the Thirteenth, the oh, okay. Nightmare on Elm mm-hmm. Streets, the Halloweens. Right. All of those were very much in the public consciousness, and this was trying to be a departure from that because I think it's like a Groundhog Day Part Eight or something (laughs) just something stupid Uh, so I did appreciate that and at the end it's kind of like being Monster Squad kind of like fixed my family because the mother and and father are closer and yeah that's a good point so they did try to put some of that stuff in there but I think they were really were trying to say a lot of stuff with this movie and Mm -hmm. I just it didn't come it didn't connect with me personally but I think it could connect with a lot of other people yeah I just thought it was a cute kind of feel-good monster film for Halloween like I would love to that just seems like a cool movie to watch every Halloween like a traditional Halloween to yeah. add to your yeah. stack of Halloween movies I every mean, year I could see that it's just yeah I, I'd, I'd say I, I would watch this like every five years probably not every year gotcha but it would be I, I would be up to doing it every five years and maybe maybe doing some sort of like scavenger hunt inside, like look for the <laughs> something. I don't know. Is this going to be a keep or return for you? I think it's going to be a return, but I'll pick it back up on Halloween if there's any copies left. For next year? For next year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's it's an immediate return um, yeah. with no intention of picking it back up. But <laughs> I, Ouch. I would watch it if it was, you know, on at somebody's Halloween party. Oh. Oh, yeah. Or if it was on, like, Freeform or one of those stations that plays Halloween movies. Yeah. Like, I, kid movies. I guess. I really probably would need to be doing something else at the same time while so this is background. on. background. Yeah, this is, a, this is a background movie. Background movie. Gotcha. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, anything else you want to add? I think that pretty much wraps it up. Nice. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Monster Squad. Have a fantastic Halloween, everybody. And until next time, be kind. Rewind. Rewind.